What's up, everyone? I'm Johnny. And I'm Elliot. And welcome to the Sport Mind Avenue podcast, the intersection of all things currently happening in sports and the psychological impacts it can have on athletes in the community. And if you want to learn more about how to improve your mental understanding of sports, or you just wish to view more podcasts like this one, then go check out mind-designsports.org and get your head in the game. On today's episode, we introduce our newest team member, Ben. Uh, The legendary Tim Tebow returns to the NFL, and we're also evaluating tackling in youth football. But on top of this, we have a brand new segment presented by our new member, Ben's Breakdown. Also, we have our first ever fantasy draft, so stay tuned for that. What's up, boys? How are we doing today? Good. Doing well, doing well. Can't complain. All right. For starters, this is Ben. So, Ben, do you want to say anything real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm Ben. Uh, thanks for having me on the new show. I'm really excited to join. Um, so, yeah, I'm Ben. Uh, I am currently going to be a junior uh, at Butler University in Indianapolis. Uh, I am a sports media major and a stratcom minor. So, I've gotten the last two years, even with COVID, I've gotten to work a little bit behind the scenes, behind the camera, and learn some new stuff. Um, I'm a big, I am originally from New Hampshire, so I'm a huge uh, Boston fan. Uh, My dad had season tickets to the Patriots growing up, so (laughs) I've been going to Patriot games since I was like five years old, six years old. Um, But yeah, I'm a huge Boston fan. Take pride in all four. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you need me to? No, nah, if you're all good with that, that's what we'll use. Yeah. All right, so uh, to get into the topics today, the first thing I want to talk about is the return of Tim Tebow. So for those of you that don't know, Tim Tebow is a former college legend at the University of Florida. He went pro for the Denver Broncos, ended up winning a playoff game before getting replaced by Peyton Manning. Uh, He bounced around a couple more teams and then left football and ended up picking up an MILB career for the New York Mets. He's also been an analyst on the SEC Network for College uh, Saturday. And he is now apparently the tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So what do we think about this? It's something that should have happened years ago when he was in his prime playing football. Uh, I agree. When he was playing for the Patriots. They offered him a role and a position on the team to continue playing for them if he switched to tight end. And he said, "No, nah, man, I'm not doing that. I'm going to the minor leagues." And that's I what. Mean, well, I mean, with and he, so yeah, I mean, I remember it vaguely. It was 2013, and he, he, they signed him, and I, I remember being like, I think he was he was on the Jets for a year. Jets didn't mm-hmm. use him, didn't mm-hmm. use him well, and you know. He 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 had he just was not very he didn't have a very he didn't have very good accuracy as a quarterback, great athlete great athlete in college he was a great college quarterback but I just remember, you know the Patriots brought him in and I'm like oh okay like Tom Brady was still in this peak of his prime playing at Tom Brady level he still is today but <laughs> it was you know, ten years later he's still there <laughs> he's still there but I remember bringing him in I remember saying the same thing like he's such a good athlete why put him at he's so big athletic put him at tight end and he and I remember saying he he was refusing he wanted to stay at quarterback and I remember he didn't end up making the team but I think you know that was the year that Aaron Hernandez I don't know if you remember this got arrested that was that year he got yeah. arrested got put in prison pretty much for murdering people um and Gronk was there but Gronk you know was 
ups, ups and downs with his injuries. So I was T- Tebow could have been his second-hand man, and it's too bad that it took him eight years, and now he's with, joining with the Jaguars. I think maybe the reason why he's maybe joining the Jaguars because it's Urban, Urban Meyer. Anyone ever think of that? Urban Meyer maybe? Yeah. That's what I think too, but it's honestly like, you know, why now? Why Like you're 33, you have a great job as an SEC analyst, um, and, and you just – you're still going down as a college football legend. Sure, you didn't have a great NFL career as a QB, but why do you want to make the switch to tight end at 33? I, I just – he's I running really out of money. No shot. That dude's media presence is second to none. I mean uh, – the average, the average tight end age during peak performance is anywhere from 22 to 26, and he's six years or more past that. So I don't know if he's going to make a huge impact for them. I think he just wants the media cloud. Like you said earlier, Ben, being around Urban Meyer. Um, I mean, they were star-studded cast together back in Florida mm-hmm. in the heydays. And now coming back together and rejoining, I think that would just that would just make a media presence even bigger. Yeah, and I um, also kind of want to – go ahead, Ben. No, yeah, sorry. I mean, he just talk, touched on it. I mean, I, Tim Gebo, I mean, he's just – like, like you said, his media presence. I mean, I don't remember in 2011 when he was on the Broncos. I mean, everyone. It was like Tebow mania. I mean, he got the guy right. was viral everywhere. And this, you know, this was like even before like Instagram got big and you know Snapchat. So this was, he was, but it was everywhere. I I remember, you know, like in an analysts like they actually thought like people actually believed like because he actually took the Broncos to a pretty good winning streak i believe yeah right? he, made him, he won a playoff uh, playoffs. he won yeah. he, beat the Steelers. he beat a great Steelers defense that year. that was a mm-hmm. that, that was back when the Steelers had paul malu harrison james harrison um you know you had they had a bunch of like bunch of like I mean, dick lebeau is the defensive coordinator i mean they had a great defense and tim tebow p- played probably his best game of his career like that day that's facts so, they caught him yeah, well, when it comes to choosing between Tim Tebow and Peyton Manning, I think the choice is pretty clear, regardless of how you feel, right? So I also kind of want to touch on, you know, the the opinions of maybe the tight ends or wide receivers that get passed on for Tim Tebow, like as a bigger media presence. Like there's a lot of mental impacts on them that can really just mess them up. Like you, you talk about their ego – uh, they're, that's taking a massive hit. They're, they're struggling to figure out why is Tim Tebow getting a starting job in the NFL over me, right? Like, that's a bit ridiculous in my eyes. As much as I love Tebow, it's just not not a good thing to be doing. So, I mean, what, what will happen if he, if he shows off and he does well? Do you think he'll have another shot in another um, signing contract, another year? You think it's all for show? I, it I mean, depends. We'll have to see it, honestly. I mean, you look at it this way, too. I just thought – I just – this came in my head just recently. Like, look at it this way. Maybe what the Jaguars are going to do is, you know, have some fun, you know, with Trevor Lawrence as their new QB, Urban Meyer as the new coach. Um, I mean, they have James Robinson, an upcoming star on that team. And the Jaguars, as bad as they were last year, I told this to my friend, they have a lot of upside on the offensive side of the ball. The receivers are pretty solid. And – with Tim Tebow, he might not even be a great tight end, but, you know, what if they use him in the red zone? What if they use him as a wildcat quarterback? I mean, they, he could be like a kind of a Taysom Hill 2.0 in Jacksonville. Like, that's true. That could, be a, that could be a potential idea that the Jaguars could use going into the season. 
I mean, if he shows off, I, I would love nothing more than seeing that. But if he's just there for a media presence, like you got to understand why you see these NFL athletes on Twitter projecting how they feel about it. And I'm sure all the other ones behind the scenes repressing all their emotions, not wanting it to be seen that they're actually pissed about this. Like it's, it's just going to be a roller coaster until we see exactly how Urban Meyer is going to end up using Tebow in the long run. Sure, uh, Tebow knows coming into it that he's not going to be the star of the team uh, past probably the preseason. And after that, I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they still have Tyler Eifert, who's an all-star cube, or tight end. And I don't think he's going to try to get time uh, reduced due to Tim Tebow coming on the team at 33. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, honestly. Like, I'm just not really sure how it's going to work out, especially when you have – honestly, it's it seems like more hatred than positivity with him coming in. It, it impacts a lot of players' self-efficacy when you see some of the great media presence may overshadow a truly good NFL player who's just not getting his chance. So it can definitely impact your self-efficacy if you're the one that's getting passed over. Yeah. What? I mean, again, Tim Tebow is is someone who, you know, I've been watching since we what, what I was eight, seven years old, and like you said, I mean, it's it it really. I, if I were a tight end, you know, a tight end that was, you know, not like, you know, at least good enough to be on a preseason team or mm-hmm. training camp team. I mean, yeah, I'd be frustrated, and it's. And this guy, he's never played a snap a tight end in his, in his life, probably. I mean, he might have in high school or youth football. But, I again, like, has Tim Tebow ever played tight end? Probably not. So, again, I, I think at, mentally if you're a player who hasn't gotten signed yet, a tight end who has not gotten signed yet, I mean, you got to be frustrated. You, you got to be thinking, like, I'm better than this guy. And I can go out there. I can block. I can catch. Can Tim Tebow even do that? we don't even know because we haven't seen him play yet. So I, under, I mean, it's frustrating for players who have not, have not been signed yet or are probably they're not going to be. Yeah. This is definitely a story that we're going to need to keep watching as we see it develop, especially going into the preseason, seeing kind of how he's using the offense in preseason games, then going into the actual season, you know, will we see the wildcat? Will we see him running routes at tight end? You know, what are we going to see with Tebow? And how is this going to impact the Jaguars in the future? Like, we just don't know. We just know that as of now, there is going to be a big presence at the Jaguars training facility with media and reporters and all of that. Because this man brings in the crowds. For sure. So the next thing I want to talk about today is, I don't know if you guys seen the, uh, the Twitter video that's been going around. It was of the two little kids doing like the Oklahoma drill and the one just got absolutely drilled. Have you seen that? Yeah. I mean, actually it took my, my, uh, my mom, who's a big Steelers fan. So she follows James Harrison and I love James Harrison too. He's a great player growing up. And, you know, listen, James Harrison had the reputation, you know, back in that, you know, two thousands football, hard hitting, you know, boom, you know, before killer popular and James Harrison was the one to post on his Instagram of that hit. And I saw that and I could not believe like to see that in my eyes, like these coaches are letting this happen. They're letting kids after all the studies, after, 
you know, youth football, trying to make even youth football safer, you know, safer again. And after all that, these coaches are just watching these kids headbutt each other. Like what? You know, it's another thing to post it on, on Instagram too. That's something you'd see off of like a meme page or Mm -hmm. sports center or something like that. But he's a professional athlete and he shouldn't be promoting, you know, child youth, um, these, these childhood athletes that, they're still in their developmental stages and their brain, when your brain's not fully developed, if you get uh, some type of brain damage as a child, you're not going to be able to heal from that as easily as you can in the long run. Yeah. You know, I'm all for big hits at the pro, the college, the high school level, always been about it. I loved having big hits when I was younger, but it's starting to pose the question, how young is too young to be doing this? Like these kids look like they're six or seven years old, max. And they're, and they're getting, getting like knocked around. Yeah, they're getting hit like an NFL player. So it, it's really like it's honestly concerning that the coaches are just letting this happen at such a young age. Like well, as, when, a parent, as a parent too, are you are you you're seeing this? Your kids, are you seeing this? Like I'm probably not seeing it. Exactly. It? Like what I was home, they're like, Oh yeah, what did you do at practice today? Oh, we did some hitting drills. Like no like, say anything. I remember back when I used to play, uh, all of our practices were closed. So none of the parents got to watch what happened. And then the coaches would end up using like different conditioning approaches where if you did this drill hard and you hit hard, you know, practice ends early. You don't have to run at the end. There's no extra stuff. So like it's clear to see kind of why these kids are hitting as hard as they do. Now we don't know if that's the actual situation, but that's what would happen back when I played. So I, I should be something that gets talked about a little more, especially with that going as viral as it did. Yeah. I mean, listen, when I, when I played, yeah, when I played as well, I mean, there was a thing we'd have, you know, we would, you know, we start, you know, and same thing with you, Johnny, you'd probably, you know, that first week you probably did conditioning, mm-hmm. get your just no pads or just helmet and just nothing else. So as we were slowly getting in, we do shoulder pads. And then once we go to once we went to full uniform or full pads, I remember Mike every year a coach would read, even back in the, when I was a kid, like in the 2011, 10, when, when the concussions weren't taken as seriously. I remember reading, he'd read like the warning, like this helmet is not used as a weapon, it's just used to protect your head. And they would, and they were, they would teach us how to tackle and everything. It wasn't like go out there and headbutt people. Yeah, you could, you could get away with it back then. A little bit more than now. Now you can get you just get ejected and you're screwed now. Yeah. But it it's just it's just at least my youth football coaches when I was a kid were elite even them were worried about no you can't you, you can't headbutt people. You can't you don't lead with your helmet. You lead with your you you tackle low, you wrap, you, you that's how you tackle. You don't go by your helmet. That's you don't spear. And that's what that kid did. He speared that kid. So he's also a child and he hasn't been trained, obviously not properly like you're saying. Yeah. And that goes out to all the coaches out there. Like, make sure that you're training your kids properly because what they do at a young age will continue to do in a, at an older age. And if you practice perfect, you play perfect. I'm going to be honest. I honestly thought he was dead when he got hit that hard. He did not move for a couple seconds. So I was a little concerned. But, you know, you can't touch on hitting without touching on CTE, right? Yep. So, I mean – the discussion is going to start coming in, you know, the mental damage it can cause in the long run, especially when your brain's not developed yet at that young of an age, like you're going to start feeling some impacts of that as you grow up. 
And for those of you who don't know what CTE is, it stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And it's basically um, your head gets filled up with these fluids after you get hit a bunch of times. And it causes your brain to slowly fail. And you can't be treated for CTE until you're, until you're dead. And they can look and open your brain up and look inside and stuff. But you can be, uh, you can be diagnosed through different, um, different symptoms, like problems with your memory or thinking. Uh, you can get confused a lot after you've been hit uh, multiple times. Your personality starts to change. And the, most, the biggest factor and the most important factor is that you get extremely aggressive uh, breaths and even suicidal. Yeah. And you just touched on that. I mean, a lot of bipolar, you can be very bipolar. I've seen, um, and you know, if you watch the movie concussion, you see that in a lot of the uh, athletes, like they, they can't like uh, Mike Webster, they, they're, they're, they can't, you know, wrap their head around what's going on. Like one minute they're, they're talking happy. The next moment they're like, they're having guns to their head because that's, that's what's happening is they're, your brain is so unstable, like you just said, and you don't know what's going on. I mean, another example is uh, quarterback Jim McMahon on the 86 Bears team. I remember when I was like hearing he couldn't, there would be days he said he couldn't even remember his own family, his own kids. I mean, that's the kind Ridiculous. of effects that CTE can do to you. And the deepest and worst athlete we've seen in our lifetime is Aaron Hernandez, a guy mm-hmm. who had some, who had a lot of issues, you know, before, you know, growing up just to begin with. And then, all this after he, you know, took his life and they opened his brain up. I mean, that, that, it was the worst CT they've ever seen in an athlete. Right. I'm pretty sure like the law, even his lawyer was like, damn, like we could have used this against, you know, the, the judge and everything. Like we could have used this against everyone. And he yeah. at least they could have at least helped him a little bit, you know, but like mm-hmm. you just said, you can't diagnose that until you're dead. So officially yeah, also with that, um, a lot of people, unless you've worked with that guy for a long time and you know his his moods, uh, you won't even know that he's been changing or he's slowly becoming more aggressive or more suicidal because you don't know what he was before. Before the CT really started setting in, um, it started to cause problems in his life. And that goes out to any athlete who's had CT. I mean, I've been hitting the head a lot of times, so I don't know if that's ever going to come back and bite me but that's some things that you also have to plan for when you're an athlete especially when you're doing like I played lacrosse um I got hit all the time and you just got to make sure you fall properly get hit properly and you be a respectful athlete when you're hitting people because you don't yeah. have to happen to you and you know I think this can also be looked at from two different perspectives as to why these athletes keep hitting as hard as they do and you look at your social influence right Growing up, Ben, like, if someone wasn't hitting hard, I mean, they got messed with the rest of the team, right? Because I know that happened with me. So the social influence that are on these kids today, where if they're not the hard hitters, you know, they're getting made fun of. They're asking, you know, what's up? Why aren't you hitting, like, at all? And that's definitely something that's going to be an issue to try and break in the future. Because these kids just, they want to go out, they want to have fun. They want to do their thing and they want to hit hard. And it's up to the coaches to be like, look, like you guys can hit hard, but don't hit each other hard on the same team. You know, avoid head to head hits, avoid spearing, all that stuff. And that that brings me to my next point, which is 
the external locus of control. So yeah, there's that social influence from your peers, but it's a whole nother thing when your coach is encouraging this. So that external locus of control basically sets it up to where the coach decides what drills you're running and how hard to run it. So if you're just a seven or eight year old and your coach says we are going full contact, full speed, hard as you can hit, you know, that's going to lead to these kind of head injuries or just injuries in general. You can't afford at such a young age. I think those are two big things that people need to start discussing as uh, influences towards these issues. Yeah, just because your coach says you, you should do something doesn't always mean you should do something. Like, um, I, you can see your coach usually as a, as a father role or a mother role, depending on what sport. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that they're always right or that they're always in even the right headspace to do something. You don't know what's going through the coach's mind or what the coach has done in the past or what, what even he did when he played football. I mean, the game's a lot different from – then, you know, whether it be 10 years from now, 10 years ago, or even five years ago, and the games are completely different. It's changing. It's morphing. Yeah. So before we move on to our next topic, I want to share something that is important to us. So our company that publishes our podcast, Mind Design Sports, is partnered with the Concussion Legacy Foundation. So we donate all of our money to this organization who helps athletes with CTE uh, through a helpline, uh, education, research programs. And you can donate to this by going to mind-designsports.org support and following the information on the page. It goes a long way to helping those athletes that have been severely affected with brain issues. And, you know, it's just a good thing in general to help support. You see how bad it can get with Aaron Hernandez and Mike Webster. And we've said our, our mission basically is to help prevent this in the future. So if you want to help us, go to mind-designsports.org slash support. That is mind-designsports.org slash support to donate today. So now that we said that, uh, it's time to get into our brand new section called Ben's Breakdown. So Ben, take it away. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm really excited to uh, talk about a couple of things. So the two things that I'm really, for this first week, that I really, really want to talk about, it's heating up. Um, the first one is being fans in stadiums. Um, you know, more Americans each day are getting the COVID shot. Some, Whether you like it or not, there a lot of them are forced. A lot, a lot of them are just getting it just so they can enter things. Um, the mask mandate is slowly ending in a lot of states. In my home state of New Hampshire, it ended. So a lot is going on with sports and how stadiums are being ran. And last year, um, you know, some, some states like California, Massachusetts, they weren't even letting fans in until, mm -hmm. you know, February. Um, but now, you know, every city, even the, strict, the strictest mayors, the strictest governors are slowly letting fans in and it, uh, more and more each day. So, uh, as I was saying, you know, this year, the Rangers, it's going to Major League Baseball because this is an outside activity. So this is where you you'd think there would be more fans. And that is the case, actually. So the Texas Rangers, I don't know if you guys knew about this, you know, April, it, it was a big controversy. You know, they started the season with 100 percent capacity, full capacity um, fans. It was a full stadium. And, and so far, I think it's been going pretty well on um, my my home city, the the Boston Red Sox, you know, 
a little bit more stricter. However, they only let 12% of people enter Fenway Park. You know, Fenway Park is a lot smaller of a ballpark, obviously, but just re- the last week, uh, our mayor lifted it to 25%. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is, what do you guys think? It's, 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 it's interesting to see how each um, city, each organization, each team is handling well, how many fans can, you know, enter a stadium and when do you, what, what do you guys think? Like what's. Well, I don't think there should be like a set limit on fans in here. Um, pretty much if you get vaccinated and you can pass a COVID test, you should be able to go to a sporting event. There shouldn't be any 12%, 25% limit. Like if you can pass and you don't have COVID, you can go to the event End a story. Like that's just the way I see it. Yeah. I think it's a bit ridiculous that they still have these caps on. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're not vaccinated or you have COVID, then obviously you can't go, right? So if you can pass the test, if you can show that you got the shots, let them in. When, and then that, that's, what you're, that's what's interesting to say. It's interesting you're saying this because I've actually read an article um, by USA Today, and I was reading this yesterday. Um, the problem is actually, is, you know, as exciting as having baseball back and fans in stadiums, you know, baseball is already struggling enough bringing in young fans our age. And I love baseball. Mm-hmm. I know you guys like baseball. Is baseball my favorite sport? No. Here's the thing. Baseball was the favorite sport of, of many people. Our, a lot of our grandparents in the 60s, 50s, early 70s. The sport baseball of America. was America's pastime. And the thing is, is right now, what, I, what, I, what the article was saying was, a lot of the fans are old, retired people. There aren't, they're not young people. And yet again, if that's the problem with limited fans is, if, they, if, if, if the MLB wants to have a good future, they need to draw younger fans. And by having a limited capacity, like you just said, and many young people are vaccinated now. I Myself, I am vaccinated. And you guys might not be. But the thing is, is like, they should be, like you said, there should not be a limit at this point. If you have a vaccination card and you're, and you're good to go, you should be able to enter a stadium. I mean, I don't think there should be. I mean, yeah. if you want Go on, Elliot. Here, yeah. I want. I want to see the NBA Finals at full capacity. Full capacity, yeah. So <laughs> is nuts when it when uh, I don't know who it's gonna be, but I think the Jazz are probably gonna get there. I hope so. And then Mitchell coming back, Spligak from the three to end the game. All the fans start jumping up, going haywire. It's gonna be crazy, and I miss that. I know, and that's the thing is like with the virtual reality, the virtual fans. I was watching hockey last night. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, hockey fan as well. I played ice hockey, and you know the the Boston Bruins are my favorite team. And I was they're playing the Capitals last night, and you know, in a hockey game too, it's like so electric, and you know, there's so much noise. You know, like people waving their towels, and I mean, there were fans there last night, but the Capitals beat us in overtime. Even when they scored, it was like. There was no excitement, you know. There was no fans. That you know, there were fans, but you didn't. It wasn't the electric noise that you hear when a team wins in overtime in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I might be wrong, but I think in um when you're playing hockey, like you can't hear the fans, right? Because the the um, screen protects. Oh yeah, it, you don't. You don't hear a lot. I mean, you you can sometimes, you know, in, in a. A high school hockey rink, sure, you're going to hear people, but like in an NHL rink, you know, you're not going to hear people. I mean, you can hear p- people bang on the glass. You, it's as a fan, it's cool because you, you, I think hockey is actually the easiest, other than basketball, is, is the easiest sport to really see 
players up close. Like they're literally right there on the boards. Sometimes yeah. it's really. I mean, I could see you see basketball games get impacted by the fans. Like you can't hear anything. All the all the noise travels down. Um, impacts all the players. So you, they're shooting a free throw. You have people screaming in front yeah. of them, like banging their bangers and just making the, the, the scene crazy. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I miss that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I miss it Just as much as I missed the game when it was gone, I miss the fans because fans are something that makes the team. You're, yeah. you're, I mean, so I, I was, as I was saying, you know, keep going into the more, into more like, fans and anything. I mean, the thing is, is like, even the MLB's commissioner, Robert, uh, Rob Manfred, he even said, I mean, there should, when the Rangers did the full capacity in April, he was like, I love this. This is good. And the thing is, is he said it himself. He wants every, all 30 MLB teams to have full capacity by midsummer, which is like all-star break July. That's what he mm-hmm. wants. And I think it's if, if, our, if the, Commissioner of Baseball wants full capacity. Why can we not have that? Like what? Like I get we're trying to like I get it. You know, last year totally different. No vaccine. There's no. There was no like we had to be careful. You mean we were all at risk, especially the older people. You know, even if we got it, we were fine. We give it to our grandparent. They could get really sick. So, but now that like all these older people are vaccinated, and even those middle aged forty, the fifty year old, thirty year old people are are vaccinated. Why not? Like, why can we just like, if they really, if the, if 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 teams really want to make a choice, pull out your vaccination card because I have one upstairs in my room. Get it out. Let these people in. I, I just, you know, like you said, it, the commissioner of baseball wants it more. I mean, why? Like, even him. What happened? You know. Yeah, I kind of want to bring it back to that article a little bit, right? So you see how the MLB is struggling to get younger fans, but as we saw in 2020, uh, it's clearly becoming more fun to play baseball again. All the bat flips, the celebrations, everything's going crazy. There's more drama than ever. Like with the fans coming back eventually at full capacity, you'll be able to get these younger fans to fall in love with the game. You go there, you witness the atmosphere for a playoff game there's yeah. nothing like it ever. Like I'm vaccinated. I should be able to go see a Yankee game whenever I want. Yeah. Like it's it's ridiculous that there's still a cap on a bunch of these well, places. Just, the ticket prices are expensive. Like again, yeah. you want younger people to come to the ball. I, I, I mean, it's not MLB commission. It's not it's not Rob Manfred's fault. I guess it's he wants fault, but it's these owners. If you want your team and your future to get going, get just let it go and like you got to get younger people in the ballparks because this article was really saying that this these last two months it's it's just all older people it's old older i mean i'm looking at the yeah. team right now i don't see many young people there it's old people and, like, and the thing is is that the most at risk people are the older people and if you're older and you still haven't gotten your vaccine then you shouldn't be going out and that's on you um for the rest of the younger people, we're most of the spreaders and the more contagious people. Uh, we shouldn't be going there unless unless you're vaccinated. And unless you we can get proof of your vaccination, it should be treated like your passport. You need that to go places. And it, I mean, I walked into CVS for the first time without my mask, and it was yeah. this thing ever. I had everyone like giving me weird looks. And I'm like, you want to see my card? Like, I swear I'm, I'm okay. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be weird for a while. 
especially like I am, as you guys can tell, I'm a huge NBA fan. And everyone, when you're in an NBA game, everyone's literally cram packed together in those courts. And that's what makes it even better because when they hit that shot, you go up to the next person, you start shaking them, you start screaming. Yeah. You're, you're just saying, everywhere. You're, you're right. saying exactly what I was about to bring up. Another thing in the article that I read about was a lot of fans and players even have said this uh, again, more like baseball or any sport fans, fans, psychological, I mean, they miss, you miss going looking behind you. You don't even know the damn person, but y'all, yeah. all you know is mm-hmm. he's cheering for your team. You give him a high five, you're hyped up and everyone's happy. You don't, you can't like, I was at, um, uh, and even like an NCAA tournament game in Indy, you know, and there's no, I'm sitting there by myself. There's no one on my left. There's no one on my right. There's no one in front of me. There's no one behind me. I mean, it's exciting to be there, but no one to like talk to you, give high fives to, you know, like as a player, players have said it themselves. They miss like, you know, being a baseball player. I remember growing up, David Ortiz would, oh, and he's retired now, but him, you know, sitting in the dugout and he would talk to the fans. They, the the players can't even be near the the fans. They blocked off like football games, baseball games. They blocked off that. Like they, they block off the seats by the, by the sideline or the bench or the dugout. You know, yeah, you know it, I, I don't think it'll be something that gets changed like quickly to where, you know, we'll be able to go to 100% capacity stadiums. But, you know, hopefully within the next couple months, places start to realize like, yo, everyone's starting to get these vaccines. Like, let's let them in if they have them. It, it doesn't make sense that we're just banning them because we don't want to have extra people. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. The last thing I'm going to say was, Another thing I was going to say is I was actually watching uh, – it was the Twins A's yesterday. And if you guys know who, who uh, Andrelto Simmons is, the shortstop, he plays for the uh, the uh, Twins. Um, and they were saying he was – it was really – these announcers were saying how he was, like, really depressed because of, like, how, like, he was, like, literally locked in a bubble and couldn't talk to people. Again, look at the players. What are the players going through psychologically? I mean, and this is what I mean. This is why I brought this topic up. Players themselves, players, you got to miss fans. I That's the whole thing about being an athlete in any sport is the, like you just said, to go in front of a crowd, home or away. If you're away, go have fun and go against them. And if you're home, get them going. And it's so fun. Like, that's what even me and I, when I played hockey, you know, when there are more fans there, I felt way more energized. I wanted to go out there and do something effective. Exactly. And, you know, that's the problem. I think you're, we're missing that still in sports. We need those fans back in any sport just to get the players going a little bit more. Cause I cannot, I can't even imagine. I mean, when, when uh, Tom Brady next year, I, that's just why they better have a full crowd at NFL games. When Tom Brady walks on that field next year at Gillette stadium as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, what is the reaction of the, the fans going to be like? That's all the, uh, that's all the analysts have been saying is like, not even the game. What are the fans going to be like, you know, how are they going to react? Oh, I got I got mad chills when you said that. Exactly. I mean, it, you get chills just nice. hearing that. And That's the point, even, though. Yeah. We're, we're, we're what are we? Four months away from the game, or five months away, and we don't even know yet. So, yeah. I, mean, I, hope, I hope by then, I think we'll have it a little bit more under control. I'm sure a majority of um, the people in America will be vaccinated. I hope they will be. Um, yeah, I know. So this, I mean, even if you don't want to do it, like. I, I'm not going to say I didn't want to do it, but you, know, you have to. At this point, you kind of have to do it. Yeah. And this actually uh, leads into my second topic now. So 
guys, we've, we've, you know, we're all big NFL fans here. And um, the big controversial thing has happened. The 17 game season that Goodell has been trying to do for what, five years now, it's finally happened. And, you know, I love it. You like it. Okay. So that's love interesting it. that you like it. I, I understand as a fan why you'd like it. Um, but you know, it's good. Oh, listen, things like this, listen, revenue is going to go up money, you know, more games for fans to attend. That's great. Listen, um, 52% of the players supported the 17 game season, which is more than half. I will say, um, players are going to get like an extra salary bonus, which I think is totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and sometimes, you know, I always say like, why are athletes getting paid so much? And people are like these, these guys, you know, they're just, they're just athletes, they're just, they're just performing. Here's my thing. The NFL is definitely the one sport I get why players get overpaid. And I'll tell you what, you're getting hit every single play. You're putting your body on the line every single play. You're putting your head, on, you're putting your brain and your head on, on the line every single play. So my only thing about this 17-game season is what is the injury risk? Not even just of your head, your knees, your, your everywhere, but CTE. Is this going to be a CTE risk? Is this going to lift the injury chances? Like, what do you guys think of this? Because, yeah, they're going to make more money. Yeah, the players might get paid more. But some of these older veterans, some of these guys, like, do they really, like Tom Brady, do they really want to play another game and another 17 game, like an extra game? Like, what's the point, you know? Well, basically, the way I look at it is you eliminate that fourth week of the preseason, which is where your starters get the most playing time before they end up starting the season. So you're essentially just adding an extra quarter to a starter's mindset. So instead of playing that three and then resting the fourth and then going into regular season, you're playing all four of those quarters. And I, yeah, there's going to be an injury risk increase, but at the same time, it's not going to be as exponential as people think. Like it's still just, you're essentially just adding an extra quarter that matters to these starters. If you're a backup, yeah, it sucks a little bit. You don't get as much time to show what you're made of. Yeah. But, you know, it's not going to be as vastly big of a change as people believe it is. In the fan, in the fantasy world, you're going to have a whole other week to bounce back. Yes, yeah. you are. As a fan, yeah, as a fan, I listen. As a fan, you're gonna you're gonna love it. You got actually, like you said, you got an extra week of fantasy. Listen, if you're a team, if your team's on the bubble of the playoffs, you know that that eighth. Seventh, sixth mm-hmm. seed in the in the NFC AFC, like you know, my Patriots this year, they could be hopefully winning their division, but they could be a wild card team. You know, you want as an NFL fan of that team too, you're gonna want that extra game as a player on the bubble. You're gonna want that extra game to make the playoffs. You know, and that's I get that. And another thing is, is like, you know, I mean, listen, like some elite teams, like I'm sure the Chiefs, I'm sure the Buccaneers, I'm sure those teams by week 16, 17, Tom Brady might, might not even play week 17. Patrick Mahomes might not even be playing week 17. So yeah, you, you can rest some of your, if you're, if you're clinched into that one or you're clinched, you won your division that you got, you got the first run by you. Yeah. You can rest your, you can rest your players, but so I get, I get it. There's a lot of, there could be some upsides to it. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what happens. You know, it's just another chance for me to add an extra dub in fantasy for sure. But it's also a chance for like the Dolphins to, you know, set themselves up as a playoff team, a true contender, and hopefully either snag the division or the wild card. You, you, you know, we just don't know how it's going to play out yet. Uh, I think it won't be as big of a difference as people make it seem. 
but it, it'll hopefully define those teams a little better to where, you know, they're not all like tied up at the end of the season and you have to have either like a playing game or something like that to figure it out. There are some fluky, like you, your team's like what, 12 and five and don't make the play like that. Like that's the, well, that's the whole thing. Like the dolphins. Yeah. But the remember the 2008 year and the, it was your Tom Brady towards ACL and Matt Castle was the quarterback and the Patriots were 11 and five and didn't make the playoffs. Like that, that's another one. I'm like, come on. Like it's frustrating. <laughs> I mean, no, I guess are you a big, I, I didn't know you a big dolphins guy. I mean, that's uh, huge. I mean, the heartbreak was brutal. Oh, I, know, I know, man. It's, it, the AFC was good. This was the first year the AFC was truly the better conference. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's going to be good this year, too. So, that 17-game season is going to be good. But, and listen, again, 52% of the players supported it. So, it wasn't like, you know, players didn't. I mean, I, I think it was more of an owner's thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always going to be more of an owner's thing. They're the ones that control most things, if you think of it. Right. It's not the – I mean, the NFL, I, I think the NBA is more controlled by the players. But I think the NFL, on the other hand, is controlled by the, by the owners. I do. I mean, it's – Every sport has its control. Who it's different who controls it, you know. So, yeah. All right. So that's it for Ben's breakdown today. The first time. Can't wait to see it more in the future. And now we have our very first fantasy draft. This draft is going to be about the athletes, the best athletes of all time when it came to their mental game. So that killer instinct, the mental prep. All that kind of stuff. Um, so we're going to each pick five players. It's going to be a serpentine draft. The order is me, then Elliot, then Ben, then reverse. You know, just how like a normal draft would be. So I guess with the first pick. You're on the clock. Team Mondo selects the man himself. Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Air Jordan. The, I mean, what what else do I have to say about this dude? He was in everyone's head. He was clearly the best player at the time. I The man was just an absolute beast. When it came to preparation, there was no one who met what he did. I, like, I, I shouldn't even have to explain this yeah, pick, right? Kinda... <laughs> like, Michael Jordan is definitely the number one when it comes to mental prep. If you, I mean, if you haven't seen the – the documentary, I definitely advise you go see his documentary. Yeah, the work he put in every single day. That's crazy. To do what he did, Maniac. nuts. Absolutely Maniac. ridiculous. Guy, the guy, the guy couldn't. The guy couldn't lose. He hated losing. If he lost, like he literally couldn't lose. No, he, it, he had a competitive problem. Like if he lost, yeah, he yeah. If problem. someone even talked, that man took it personally. Yeah. He took it personal. <laughs> he did. Like that's insane. <laughs> he used he used like that that like that one that's trouble like the bullets like and then you remember that and he just was like oh he said good game to him and then that's that was the end that was the end of that guy Michael yeah, Jordan over put fifty on him so. All right, Elliot, you're on the with clock this, with the second pick of this year's NFL draft. Tom Brady. Yeah, Andre, yeah. that's a good one. 
I mean, just look at his stats, man. He's he, the Michael Jordan of football. He exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're going down the list. He's the best one to ever do the, the sport of football, and he probably will be the best to ever do it as long as football's around before it changes to something else. All right. Ben, you got two picks. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, obviously Brady and Jordan were on my top two. So that's all right. Because my third, I got to go with Kobe, the Black Mama Bryant. The The Mama uh, mentality. The man, that man, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, is the father figure to Kobe Bryant in that case of mentality. But Kobe Bryant, man, he he took that to even a better and cooler level on 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 the public level, you know, if you know what I mean. He pushed all of his teammates, I think, even more in a friendly way than Jordan did. Jordan was kind of a dick about it, which was great because Jordan still won six titles. Doesn't matter. Got the job done. But Kobe, man, everyone loved Kobe. Everyone gravitated to Kobe. Kobe Bryant is is like an idol to people who don't even play sports. I mean, the man, you saw his impact when he died. I mean, it's yeah. It's crazy. They got, but the guy, never one, just the mentality. All he, he Remember, he wasn't as talented as Jordan or, or LeBron, but – God, he he worked so hard to become what he was. You know what I mean? He had a work. Yeah. Just the stories, hard. bro. I mean, I'm sure you've heard all the stories. That man would be there five hours before practice and stay five hours after practice. Yep. Keep working. Like just the yep. stories that these players have told. It, it's ridiculous. And he would have been my number one if you know he didn't mimic his career off the number one pick, right? So, yeah. Have you guys seen the videos of um, this is like a side by side of Michael Jordan doing a play, and yeah. we doing it too, and it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan taught Kobe a lot of like how to do a lot of that stuff he does. Like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was like what he he worked with Kobe on like how to, to fade away and do all the Kobe like the iconic Kobe Bryant moves. You know that was Jordan. Kobe said it in the documentary. You know he Jordan taught him that so. That's awesome. So guys, so yeah, so you know, Kobe's an obvious. So my number now my second pick. This one you guys want might be like what? But I kind of read up on him, and I'll tell you what, hockey. And this is a hockey player. NHL. It's hard. I think it's the hardest sport to win in cup, just because it's so team oriented. But my second pick is going to be Mark Messier, and I'll tell you why. It's a good this one. And he. Think of where he was. He he won five Stanley Cups, which is hard to do as a player. Just win any one one, just to win one Stanley Cup is hard. But this guy, he won four in Edmonton with Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, obviously the goat of hockey. But Mark Messier was like the leader of that Oilers teams. And then he went to the Rangers. He won a cup in New York. And they, he was former players say he was Gretzky. He was really the like the figure, the leader of those teams. So I think. Right there, you got to look at someone like Mark Messier, a guy who's you know, not as talked about because I don't think hockey's as – I love it as much as any sport, but it's not as big to some – you know, as big as like, you know, some, he's, they're not as iconic as Kobe or Jordan. But if I if I had someone on my team, I'd have to have Mark, Mark Messier as a winner. So, yeah. Right. I'm going to have to go with my, – my second pick is the man himself, Steph Curry. Um, one of the greatest to ever do it and his position, respectively. Uh, huge, huge Splash Brothers fan. And if you've seen him, he's already amounted so many records. Uh, the fewest games played to reach a 1,000 career three-pointers. He would have had four titles if it weren't for KD getting injured and Clay Thompson, respectively, getting injured. 
he's built the, the best team ever to play in the NBA, ever. Dubs Nation is real. And you know who led that? Steph Curry. He's one of the best shooters of all time, and I think he'll probably be the best shooter we'll ever see in our lifetime. And he came from a basketball background. He one-upped his brother, which is also what he's doing. And he showed he's one why he deserves to be number one. And I think he'll make a run for it uh, in the playoffs, but not until Clay Thompson. He can't he can't carry the whole team by himself. This man's averaging averaging like forty points a game. And it's absolutely nuts. And I I love the three-point shot, and I got to go with him because I love the three-point shot. I completely understand taking Steph Curry. He was definitely on my list. But for my next pick, we are going to float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Take the man himself, the greatest of all time in my eyes, Mr. Muhammad Ali. This man is the epitome of boxing. His mental abilities in the ring, along with his physical, he was unstoppable. He was incredible to watch, an idol to some of the greatest boxers of ev- like ever. And I, I just don't know what else to say. He's a champion. He was an activist who really spoke his mind about the issues he believed in. I respect him for that so much. Uh, the mental impact he had on boxing and just life itself is incredible. So he's my, my number two pick for the roster. And my number three pick this is going to be an interesting one. A little, little NFL player by the name of Jerry Rice. Someone whose records may never be tested ever. And my, I don't see anyone breaking them. This man was an absolute beast on the field, was in everyone's heads just by playing the game. His abilities and the practice that he put in in preparation to face off against these different corners, safeties, any defensive looks. You've heard all the stories from the quarterbacks he's played with, all the defenders he's played against. Like Aside from Deion Sanders, I don't think anyone could have stood up against him, period. So Jerry Rice is definitely my number three pick. Uh, He's just unbelievable. The killer instinct this man has makes him the greatest wide receiver of all time and probably a top three NFL player of all time. So that's who I'm going to take. So you're up, Elliot. My third pick, uh, I don't know if you guys even know who he is, but it's Lewis Hamilton. He's a Formula One driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot about Lewis Hamilton this year because my friends like F1. I got into it. That guy wins every freaking year. So everyone, he has eight world championships. Uh, he holds the record for most career wins of all time, most pole positions, most podium uh, finishes, most career points, and most laps led. This man is literally the fastest to ever do it, and in the fastest sport there is. And also, much of you guys might not know, but he is vegan, too. Uh, this man doesn't eat meat. His training schedule is ridiculous. He does around five hours of cardio a day and eats like 3,000 calories, 4,000 calories a day and without even eating meat. So I've, I've seen him play, and it's amazing. It's one of the best to ever do, and he's the fastest man alive. Understandable. 
Yeah. So this this guy just brought up some F one, and maybe that that that's the that inspires me right now. I gotta change my. I don't know if you guys ever heard this name, F one driver. Not as accomplished as Lewis Hamilton, but this guy. How about Nikki Lauda? You know what I'm talking about? Lauda, yeah. This guy. Yeah, this well. guy. Listen, watch this movie about him. And he raced in the 70s. And this isn't back in the 70s. Racing was more dangerous than it already is now. And he won. His mentality was crazy. I watched this movie. He just, all he cared about was winning winning every week. And that's what he did. He won in 75. Then the next year, gets hurt, gets an injury, has almost a life-ending injury, almost burns to death. Mm -hmm. Pretty screwed up. Is in the hospital, has a fractured lung and everything comes back and races and still is effective. And he ends up, you know, not winning that year because he was out. He probably, but then he won again. He won two more. He's won three F1 championships. And anyone who's not an F1 fan, it's not as big in the U.S. It is maybe the hardest sport in the world. It is so hard to get into. There's only like 15 drivers. It is so hard to, to win and just be good at it. So yeah, and the amount of G forces that you would stand when you're in a Formula One car or would make you throw up. And holding the wheel it's for two hours is ridiculous. It's you have to have the best hand eye coordination in ever to be good at what he they do. And you also have mm-hmm. to be like the thing is is you watch like I've got into the sport the last year and you have to be you have to be also very you have to have good you have to be conditioned. You have to be healthy. You can't just be like, you know, unhealthy. You have to be, yeah. You have to be trained. You have to be in shape. So there's a reason why Lewis Hamilton wins so much. He's he's super in shape and he's very mentally stable. Yeah. So no, no, Nicky Lauda, someone who I look, I've looked up to now after that, you know, movie he, and like SWAT, learning a little bit more about him, his mentality, him, he, all he cared about was winning, and that's not that's, that's all I guess. I mean, guys. Yeah. And that was back in when everyone was just uh, rolling cigs and getting like absolutely yeah. hammered. That's who, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what F one. Yeah, partying. Not you can't you, F one now. You can't you can party that like that. Nope. You can throw the champagne up, but that's about as much as you get. Yeah. So okay. So this my fourth overall pick. You know, you took Muhammad Ali from me again. Another sport that I've kind of started to like a little bit more: boxing and just fighting in general. Mike Tyson, come on, I mean, guys, this guy, he was a head Talk case. about a killer. <laughs> like, he was a head case. He was a head case. But, man, this guy, I think, had the quickest punches I've ever seen. He was a killer out there. I mean, the guy got a tiger on his freaking face. I mean, that, that just says to you enough how much of a monster that man was. He, he, he obviously had his life. He had some flaws in his life, personal life. But, man, that guy mm-hmm. won so much. He, he avenged Muhammad Ali. I forget the guy who beat him. I forget what his name was, but he knocked Muhammad Ali out because he was Muhammad Ali was old and had, like he had like Muhammad Tyson Ali had, Fury. Who was it? Was it Tyson Foreman? Fury? It was. No. It was. Was it Tyson? It was Tyson Fury. I think it was. He he avenged. It was like the vengeance of like Muhammad Ali. I'm trying to figure out. Look it up right now. Just to, but just, but whatever. The guy. The guy is one of the greatest boxers ever. Arguably the. I mean Floyd's pretty. Goated too, but Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali obviously is the, the biggest of them all. But Mike Tyson, man, just as a boxer, that guy he started training. Like Frazier. I mean, he's a monster out there. So, the fight of the century after 15 rounds, Muhammad Ali lost him. Yeah, that's crazy. 
All right, Elliot, your fourth round pick. Why doesn't he go again? He oh, just he went. Already twice. did. I got. Um, I could go back with the other splash brother. You know, Clay Thompson, the best, uh, second best, or I—I I don't know. I can't even say second best because he's just as good as Steph Curry. And uh, he, the thing about basketball is you have to know your role. And if a team, a team without uh, players who know their role is a team that's not going to win. And as long as you know, like, this is who I'm passing it to. This is who I know is going to make the shot. It's not me. I'm not going to keep it and and risk me throwing that shot. Miss, I got to throw to these guys because I trust them. And they're always going to give me the results I need. And it just sucks because he's the best three-point shooter, three-point role shooter there is in the NBA. And he's been injured for the past couple of years. Which which is awful for his career, uh, for his yeah. for his mentality. Well, coming having to watch Steph Curry try to take on all of these players by himself is ridiculous. And half that load would be taken off when you have Klay Thompson averaging twenty five points a game, most of which are three pointers, uh, coming off the bench for you. And he's, I just think he's an amazing shooter. I always styled my shot after him, uh, him and Steph Curry. So, uh, Steph, Steph Curry, what, he, what he's doing this year just by himself is insane. Nuts. I mean, and if he had Clay Thompson, they would easily be a contender. Title contenders, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, if they can get like one more, not even Clay, just someone else with him, man. I mean, can you imagine? I just, I have, I go to call with a lot of Bucks fans. This is actually a. Can you imagine you put Steph Curry like on the Bucks with Giannis or something? Ridiculous. Imagine that. It'd be crazy. That's well, out. It'd be like having having Durant back, but a buff Durant. <laughs> I honestly low-key think that like Giannis would be better in a way because Giannis could because Giannis is a better facilitator. So he would just find Steph wide open for threes. Like Steph wouldn't mm-hmm. even be covered. Or Steph would yeah. you'd have to cover Giannis because Giannis is so good at like <laughs> yeah, Durant was a better like better shooter, better, better score, I guess, than Giannis. But Giannis, I think, does even more of the dirty work than Durant doesn't even do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean Durant's Skinnier than my forearm, and he's done <laughs> to pull off. Still, like the, still like the, probably, probably the second best player we've seen behind LeBron in our lifetimes. But you know, it's True. crazy. He's so skinny, but but. All right, up. gentlemen. Let me let me bring you here, uh, former NFL player, current barstool god, uh, the greatest trash talker. Of all time, Mr. Neon Dion Sanders. Yeah. Got into all of his opponents' heads. Mental prep was unbelievable. Not to mention his physical abilities on the field. A dude is quite literally the greatest I've seen at his position. Uh, there's not much to say other than there's an instinct if you're a trash talker. This man created that instinct. There is no one like him. No one who could talk like him that has ever touched an NFL field. And that's just the way I see it. You want to talk about a mental game? This man was swimming in your brain throughout an entire four quarters. That hey, boy's from Newport, Sanders. Shout out to 239. <laughs> and the last pick for Team Mondo. Shocked. That none, neither of you took him, period. Uh, the greatest Olympian of all time, 
28 total medals, 23 of them are gold. Someone who, if he shows up to your pool, you are mentally checked out of that race. He was so good mentally, he messed with your mentality. Mr. Michael Phelps. Oh, my God, yeah. How are you not going to take this man earlier in the draft? I'm going to bite, my, gonna bite my finger over that one. I'm going to bite my finger. That one hurts. <laughs> yeah. I, there's yeah, not much else there. to say, man. Michael Phelps is the greatest Olympian ever. Uh, you can read up about all the stories of the mental prep this man did, all the diets he's been on, all the different exercise routines. This man was a different level when it came to swimming. And that that's just all I have to say. Uh, top to bottom, this Team Mondo roster looks quite unbeatable when it comes to mental game. So we'll pass it on to you, Elliot. <laughs> oh. uh, I got a tough decision here. I got a tough decision here. Keep me on the clock. Keep me on the clock. I I know who I'm going to take. I already kind of – he kind of reminded me of Michael Phelps and gave me another name that I cannot be ashamed if I forgot him. But you you go because I know who I'm going to take. I don't want to go with another basketball player. You know who. You know who. Um, But I think I'm going to go with Lyle Thompson. Lyle Thompson is a pro lacrosse player. And he's one of the best, him and his brother, the best lacrosse players to ever play the game. They're the people that put lacrosse on the map. Uh, constantly having to go out on the field, you're basically playing soccer with a mix of hockey, uh, getting tossed around with a middle mix of football, getting hit in the head every day. And these guys were the best to ever do it, both him and his brother. Um, constantly getting out on the field and putting in the mentality, putting the work every day, running back and forth. Scoring goals, winning faceoffs, it's how you do it. Uh, I, I got to take him with the sleeper pick because I got to represent lacrosse somehow. <laughs> I mean, all right, well, the last pick of this draft, and, you know, he, I, again, like, I can't miss this guy. I got to go with the one and only Cristiano Ronaldo. Look at this nice. guy. He's, guys, yeah. guy is literally the LeBron or Jordan of soccer. The guy is – He's just so good at what he does. His body, he the way he trains, the way he all he does is live and eat soccer. I mean, the guy eats well, trains well. I mean, it's it's crazy what he does on a daily basis, like how he works and he, to win three straight Champions League titles at Real Madrid, and just just to and then to win with Portugal in the Euros and like just he scored a goal every game. I I because I, I watch soccer. He scored a goal in every game. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, like in his prime. He he didn't. He scored almost every goal for Real Madrid. Low key, like the guy scores all the time. He's a beast. He just sit there and score. That's all he does. It's crazy. So I he's one of the greatest, like one of the strongest players out there. Just physically overpowering, like LeBron, physically overpowering on the field. And he's he's just he's just all around the best player I've ever seen. I mean, Messi, Messi maybe a little more skilled, but Ronaldo is just winner as a winner just three street champions like you can't that's hard to do so i'm surprised lebron never got picked up yeah, yeah. Um, lebron 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 to me is a is a great player and i he was on my list earlier i just i don't know he's 
He's someone who I just don't think he had. He's a winner, but he hasn't won as much as Jordan and even Cole. Yeah, I think that's where I kind of cut him out too. I know this dude's got a killer instinct, and I know he's out here trying his best. You've seen it when he was on that Cavs team that won it all. That man yeah. carried the team. Listen, but no, at the same time, he was a bum. He was a bum at first, and yeah, I didn't he's like, not a winner. He joined Dwayne Wade and Chris. Okay, obviously. You should win with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. But yeah. when he went back to Cleveland, that's why I gained respect for him. I'm gonna say that. So like I I think he's arguably the greatest of all time. You know, people make the comparisons. Uh physically dominant. Mentally, I know he's a great athlete. If we did a top 20, I'm sure he would have been picked. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, that I feel like the 15 we chose I might have that edge just because of their ability to win more than he has. But I can't disrespect the guy. Yeah, a couple LeBron other James. honorable mentions have to be Serena Williams. Uh, yeah, Tiger Woods. Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods, definitely. Uh, I mean, we didn't talk about baseball players because they're not as, um, I guess, well, well talked about. Yeah, it's not as mentally draining to play baseball. But it. If you look at it, baseball itself is quite literally the hardest sport to play in the world. And if you fail, if you only fail two thirds of the time, you're a hall of famer. So baseball itself is quite up there when it, as a sport, but uh, there's just no player that's like, you know what? I could put him in instead of like Muhammad Ali or Michael Phelps. Like, yeah, you could do Mike Trout or or um. But he hasn't won, you know. Like he true. hasn't won anything. That's you the problem. Babe, you got your your Babe Ruth, who just he was an alcoholic. You got your Lou Gehrig's or Mickey Mantle or I don't even know. Yeah. Williams. And those guys are great. You can't you can't tell me those guys aren't great. It's just like yeah, it's just a different head. kind of mental. I guess. Yeah, like you can't like Nolan Ryan. I I I don't know like. I love I love baseball. It's a great sport. There's some great we we have some amazing legends. Oh, Hank Aaron. I mean, you, yeah, great players, but yeah, as mentality, is it there as much as some of the other athletes we mentioned? Oh, Devers just hit a home run. That <laughs> thing is gone. Sorry. All right, boys. Well, before we get yeah. too deep into the honorable mentions, mm-hmm. I would like to wrap up this episode. So thank you guys all for watching. Uh, our social medias will all be in the description of the video. If you want to check out our list, make some comments that'll all be posted probably either on our Twitters or our Instagram stories. So just let us know what you think. Uh, and yeah, have a good day. Thank you for watching this week's episode of the Sport Mind Avenue podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on our page. And stay tuned for more of our podcasts and exclusive content in the future.